to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and we're happy you're with us today. Today we'll be talking to Lauren. Welcome. Thank you. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. I am um, a mom of two kids. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and um, we live in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a that's good life. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much we're in the thick yeah. of all of the... The diapers and the sticky tables and... Yeah, which is not easy. I know yeah. from experience. <laughs> you know. And, and, and we'll get there, how, how what we're going to talk about can make that a little bit easier at least. Yes, definitely. Um, but let's rewind a little bit and talk about your, your childhood when you were one of the kids in diapers and you were yeah. in a family. What was your, how would you describe your family environment, especially the religious environment? Um, well, I was raised a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, we were taught the gospel in a very systematic and dependable way. We could rely mm -hmm. on gospel conversations every day. We always had scripture study, and it was very, it was done very unapologetically. Yeah. It was, it was the most important thing. Uh, it was just part of our schedule. And yeah. did that appeal to you? Did you like it? How did you respond to that? Well, I always felt really good about it. Yeah. I was the oldest of five kids, and I thoroughly loved it. <laughs> I know I know that that sometimes isn't the case for every child who grows up in the yeah. church, but I it always just felt right to me, and yeah. I really enjoyed having gospel conversations with my parents and that was one of my favorite things. It still is my favorite thing to do. So. Yeah. So, a lot of people may not have that as part of the core of their family. It may be yeah. uncomfortable or something they feel like is forced. Mm -hmm. What do you think your parents did to make it so natural and appealing to you? I, I think that it was a good combination. I think that they, um, they believed it. And so it didn't seem like they were trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. They just believed it so much that... Yeah, so it wasn't forced. No, it wasn't forced. And I didn't ever get the impression that they were faking anything, if that right. makes sense, or trying to push it on me. And they just believed it so organically and in such a real way that... Um, so the motivation wasn't just to do it to look good or to do it no. because they felt like they needed to be righteous. What no. did you feel like the motivation was? Well, my parents have very different conversion stories, mm -hmm. and I think that their diversity kind of made it even more interesting because their testimony wasn't as cookie cutter. Yeah, it wasn't right? a one size fits all yeah, testimony. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't the combination of my parents. Like my my dad was a convert at eighteen, and he he's the only member of his family. Um, and then. My mom was the youngest of 11 kids, and she grew up in the church, and for her, the gospel is like breathing. Yeah. And having those put together, um, it was fun. The gospel was so fun because even though it was so different, it came into their lives at different times. Yeah. They both were equal on how much it meant to them. And in that way, it just, and the gospel and the truths of the gospel, they always felt good to me. Yeah. And so, sure, like we would get in arguments about when to have scripture study or, you know, that that was the family who ever argued about was when to have scripture study. It was oh. that idyllic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Never any fighting at family home <laughs> evening. Nothing like no. that. No. Um, but it was important to them. And there was a lot of 
there was a lot of arguing and it was never, I never really looked that peaceful. Sometimes it did, but most of the time it was, it wasn't that yeah. easy, you can know. You, can you remember in, in this sort of wonderful, diverse home that's still gospel-centered, do you remember a, a principle or a topic that especially appealed to you at a young age that, that, you, that you enjoyed and you internalized? Oh, that is a good question. I think um, probably my favorite gospel principle was where we came from. I just, it always just felt so right to me. And I haven't really thought a lot about that specifically, but it's true. Like I, I would sometimes go proselyting as a little girl with pass along cards. Just, just around the <laughs> to neighborhood. My neighbors. And where were you li living at the In time? In Hermiston, Oregon. Oh, I bet they loved that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure they weren't too bothered because I was just, I don't know. I just think I was like probably seven, yeah. maybe six. And you just wanted to share the plan of salvation yes, with everybody. Yes, that was, that was the thing that I liked the most. I, I wanted people to know that their families could be together for eternity and that they came from somewhere else, that this wasn't it. The, so I guess the big picture of the gospel right. is what yeah. I just really clung to and loved. Yeah. yeah. And, it would be nice if we could just end the interview now and say, and happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> as you grew up and became a teenager, mm -hmm. got older, was there a time when you had questions or experienced something different from what you expected it to continue like? Yeah. I didn't um, in my teenage years, though. And sometimes I even wondered if I was living the gospel the right way because it seemed too easy. Mm -hmm. And then I started dating somebody after in college who didn't believe that, that he didn't know if God was real or if the church was true. And a lot of people have those questions, you know, but being so close to somebody whose faith was so different from mine, mm -hmm. um, for the first time in my life, I became a lot more cynical about everything, about not just the gospel itself, but even questioning people's motives. Oh. Um, so it was a complete attitude Everything. Shift. I was yeah. just like, what are people, I remember going to church one day and I was late. I didn't really attend church very much in the summer that I was having kind of these cynical thoughts um, because I wasn't comfortable there. And mm -hmm. And one day I kind of showed up late to sacrament meeting and I was just sitting in the um, kind of the waiting area and I felt sick because the testimonies seemed so fake to me. Mm. And I was at this really kind of this pivotal point in my testimony where there were things that I believed and that I couldn't deny, but yet there was this culture that seemed to be less than real right so I had to ex I was trying to accept what was real in a culture that didn't seem to be and that was really hard and I left I left that sacrament meeting because I just I hated the way I felt yeah there. well and what an interesting moment yeah and I think what's vital to observe in this story is that the cynicism what wasn't just about God or the church no. about belief. 
it, it was something that was part of your maturation process. Yes. And I think a lot of people yes. go through that maybe not realizing they're questioning everything, not right. just the church, and that that's fairly normal at the age that you were at. 21. Especially when you're yeah. at 21 encountering different people with different yep. attitudes and trying to figure out how does my attitude compare to theirs. Definitely. So with this this period of your life, how did you get through that? I think it, it's I think it's a tribute to you that you wanted to be sincere. You weren't just going to fake it. And, right. But at the same time, you weren't going to be outwardly critical to these people that you saw at mm -hmm. church. What helped you navigate that difficult space? And, and I think a lot of people navigate this. I think everyone has to, and at different points in their life. For me, this was kind of a crossroads, but I've experienced this many times in different ways. And it's the same, the way I navigate it is always the same. And it's that I have a deep knowledge that God is real. And so that's what you went back that's, to. That's what I went back to. And I've had that knowledge for a very long time since I was a little girl. And it's something I can never, ever deny. And knowing that can sometimes feel inconvenient because I, because I couldn't ever deny it. <laughs> even, when, even when other church members of the church seemed to be faking their testimony or it just seemed like the choices in my life, if I were to stay with the gospel, it was more boring. You know, like I just, it, it can sometimes feel in, inconvenient when you have this testimony. Um, but when we hold on to that, when I hold on to that, prayer, prayer is always what got me through. And not like a regular prayer where you're on your knees. Um, it was like a broken prayer. Hmm. And I can't even count how many of those I had where I just, when I wasn't close to my Heavenly Father, I felt like I was suffocating. And uh, I, would, I would just crumble and I would just cry to Him because I knew He was there. And I didn't know what else to do. That's, that's all I knew. I didn't know where to go from there. Yeah. But I couldn't deny it. I couldn't move forward in the denial of, of his presence. Yeah, what I appreciate that is that that lovely phrase you used, a broken prayer, because if you feel like you have to be whole, your testimony has to be whole, you yeah. believe the whole thing, every principle of the gospel before you pray, that you'll pray, then you would never pray. But to never. be able to somehow no. say, I'm broken, and it's okay yeah. if I have a fragmented understanding right now that as long yeah. as the main fragment is my belief in God that will get me through all this frustration all these other confusing things mm -hmm. how it is difficult I think when when people are going through a grieving per period of realizing yeah. my faith isn't childlike anymore and it right. is inconvenient how did you get through that grieving process while not being angry with the other people who weren't grieving. The, the people who yeah. seemed so complacent and so yeah. secure. In their testimonies. Yeah. And because I think that when your faith is maturing and growing, I think that can be really difficult to feel like 
other people don't get where I'm at. They, they don't understand how hard this is for me. How yeah. do you do that without judging them, without letting them decide whether you come to church or not? I love that question because in the end, my relationship with God has nothing to do with anyone else. And that, that's the answer. That was the answer for me. It didn't have to do with who I, ha I was in a relationship with. It didn't right. have to do with my parents. And it didn't have to do with anybody at church anymore. There, some people might be fake, some people aren't. It doesn't matter for me because I had a relationship with God. And so everything that I need to progress, everything I need to view others in a Christ-like way is dependent on my relationship with Him. And if I'm, if I'm staying close to Him, then I'll know how to love others yeah. and be, still be strong in my testimony. Even if, even if no one, someone could really care less about my faith, <laughs> you know, but you, that's, you, you care. I care. I care. And that is, oh, that's everything to me. Well, yeah. and, it, and it sounds like you almost, it was good for you for it to be tested when you weren't Very. sure. There was a little bit of apathy and it was tested and you realized, I do care. And so I can, much. And I can care more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much. And I, I think of you at the, as that little seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, trotting along the Oregon streets, sharing pass-along cards. And what you loved, you said, was the plan. Where right. you came from, not necessarily everybody else and where they're yeah. coming from, but where you came from. And I think the transition became looking at it as the plan of salvation and having that transformed to, this is my plan of salvation. Right. And the Savior died for me. God is close to me. Mm -hmm. And that my plan can be my own. And yes. that I will talk to him about it, whether I'm broken or whether I'm whole. Because I'm yeah. his, I belong to him. Yes, exactly, I do. And um, he is there when I'm having the best of times, when my testimony is strong, when I'm making great choices. And he is there when I'm not. He's there that's, in all of that's it. That's constant. Because it's constant. Yeah his, his, yeah, his plan and your plan are the same plan. They're the plan. same, yeah. So let's go back to where we started okay. with now you're teaching your own children about this plan and about God yeah. and it's sometimes messy and sometimes difficult. Oh, it's so messy. <laughs> literally and, and figuratively. Yes, very literally. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's easy, I think, to say, you know, when you're having a conversation, I believe in God's plan for me. I believe in God's plan for my children. But, but when it's difficult to be a mom at home with these little children who make big messes, mm -hmm. how does this knowledge help you then, in the day-to-day -day moments, when, when you're alone with them, when you're cleaning cereal out of somebody's hair or, you know, mopping the floor for the third yeah. time, how does that help then? Well, I have a purpose. My knowledge of my Heavenly Father and knowing who I am makes everything sacred. And I think mm -hmm. that we have um, the gift of a testimony is being able to understand our daily actions in the plan. And so I think our Heavenly Father actually wants us to feel the sorrow of that frustration. Hmm. I think that He wants us to be 
to just, I use broken a lot because I really can relate with that word. But I really, when I feel so angry and broken and just sick of the day-to-day life, I, um, I'm very strengthened in the knowledge that Christ was too. Mm. He, what made him so perfect was that he allowed himself to feel the greatest of sorrows that made him so Christ-like and so perfect. And so when I am feeling that way, I don't feel as alone as I could otherwise because I know he's carrying me through it. So, yeah. Yeah. And what a beautiful tribute to, I think, your parents and to your kids. Yes. That that you found these sacred moments in the holy wholeness of brokenness. Right. That 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 we can, if we're centered, if we're focused on a relationship with God, we can find that wholeness with Him. Yes, and it's so personal. Yeah. It's so personal because we experience things on an individual level. Yeah. And that's where we find our Savior, and that's where we find our testimony. Yeah. Um, I remember a moment when I was at that crossroads, and I had this very distinct feeling that, my choices had very little to do with just me. Mm. And it's this, this irony that our testimony is so amazingly individual, but our actions affect countless people. And I, the Spirit witnessed to me in kind of one of those broken prayers that I was a link. I couldn't just do whatever I wanted. And so now when I'm with my kids, and I'm teaching them the gospel, I'm so grateful for that witness that I had because I know that I'm fulfilling my promise to be a link. And being connected, connecting people of faith is so important to me. Right. Well, and using that courage to say, I may not have the strength right now, but I want to have it for my children or I want to be linked to my parents. Yes. I love that. And again, it goes back to that that plan that links us all together, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. No problem.